Today's program has been brought to you by the Heritage Meat Shop, located in the historic Essex Street Market in New York City. For more information, visit heritagemeatshop.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Alice Marcus Krieg, and I believe we have Carmen on the phone this week. Hi, guys. I'm huh. calling in. <laughs> Carmen's <laughs> it sounds, a little... It sounds very strange, but I'm very, very south of you right now, Alice. Yeah, it's <laughs> south in Brooklyn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so you all know us from Groundworks. We design, build, and maintain gardens in and around New York City, and the show aims to bring the culture to horticulture. So Carmen... I'm going to let you do the intro today. We have a fun guest. Yes. Um, well, this season, Alice and I decided that uh, we wanted to share with you, our listeners, some of our peers uh, that we love in the plant and horticulture field that, that we feel are doing some interesting and um, some important work that, that educates, inspires, and, and sometimes challenges the status quo. And the plant and gardening business is so vast with so many voices out there, it's hard to find a truly unique voice above the fray of bloggers and, you know, Twitters and, and all that and Instagrammers. <laughs> well, one voice that we love is Joe Lample, and he's the producer and host of Growing a Greener World. It's a program that's available nationwide and also on the web, and Joe travels the U.S. looking for inspiring stories and shares them with his viewers, and his, his very unique, personable, and, and accessible sm- Style. It's very, very down-to-earth, and, and that's what I really love about him. And we're not alone in recognizing his achievements and his abilities. This year, uh, the Garden Writers of America have awarded Joe their Gold Award for Excellence in the Electronic Media category. So we're proud to have him on the show. Joe, welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Good, good. I love this virtual uh, mm-hmm. group communal show we're having today. <laughs> we can three of us be in three different places and still have a conversation. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, Joe, tell us, um, tell our listeners about how you got started. And it's a pretty funny story that we think a lot of people can relate to. So, way back when started, huh? Okay. <laughs> uh, so, I grew up in Miami, so everything grows down there pretty much. It's very tropical. And as a kid, you know, running through the backyard, you know, boys will be boys. And at one point, I broke off a branch on one of my parents' shrubs. And they weren't really gardeners, but they liked a nice landscape. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I took that broken branch, and I just shoved it in the ground right there and, and covered it back up with uh, soil. And, uh, and then ran went about off, your and, you business, know, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Hope that nobody was going to find out. But about <laughs> six weeks later or so, I was back at that same spot you know, sort of checking on it because I assumed it was dead. But much to my surprise, 
not only did it not look dead, it looked alive, and uh, little leaves were sprouting from it. So I gave a tug on it, and it resisted because it had sprouted some roots. Sure. And I was just, I was beside myself. I could not get over this. This was all new to me because I didn't grow up in a family of gardeners, and nobody really mentored me. So this was just pure discovery. Uh, and and I, I was hooked on horticulture at that point. That was that was the moment in time for me that I felt like. Uh, set my future, set the course of my future right there. But, so I went on and just propagated plants and, and just, you know, as an 18-year-old kid, I was studying everything I could. There was a nursery down the street, so I'd ride my bike down there. I started growing roses. I mean, I was a real plant geek. <laughs> but, uh, that's great. It served, it served me well. <laughs> but, but so as far as like school and profession, yeah. you, you had um, a career before you came to gardening professionally, right? Uh, well, yes, to some degree. My mother was a real academic. She was a high school teacher, and she was, you know, she was really good about stressing the importance of, you know, of well-rounded education. So I wanted to go study horticulture, and she said, well, you know, you can do that, but while you're doing that, why don't you get a business degree as well? Because that will serve you in so many other avenues, potentially, in the event that the horticulture doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. So I did, and, you know, right out of school, the... Um, the companies that really were waving the bigger dollars, or any dollars at all for that matter, were the business business companies. You know, it was the business side of it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that required a suit. So I got uh, I, so from school I went into the corporate world, wearing a suit and uh, basically doing financial planning for a number of years. But I never wanted to leave my horticulture roots behind. So I started uh, a consulting business simultaneously called Scapewise. And did some consulting. You know, it just you know it was some pocket change at that point, but it kept me sharp. I I continued to get credentials and and stay uh, in the know. Mm-hmm. And and it's from there that uh, I finally was able to break away completely from the suit job when uh, my first TV opportunity came along. So there's so many media outlets right now, and and so many places where people can get information about gardening and greening and farming their homes and their lives. So how do you select locations and stories for your show that engage and that are relevant? Good question. Well, the thing that we do is we, we tr- because so many people on my team, pretty much everybody on my team is into <clears throat> sustainability or they're hardcore gardeners or they're just, they're very much in touch with what we're in touch with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got our ear to the ground all the time anyway. So we're reading and we know about places that we want to go find out and explore and so that's the first way but in addition to that you know we have such a great base of people that communicate with us around the country through Facebook and Twitter and you name it we'll get emails random emails from people that we've never you know talked to before that are suggesting places for us to look at in fact we put a link on our website finally that said hey if you've got an idea tell us about it because mm-hmm. we re- we really do investigate these ideas. And so the hard part now after three years and 26 episodes a year is to come up with truly unique content still. And we're doing it. It's just becoming harder. You know, the first year was the low-hanging fruit. Now it's like, wow, where do we go? But we go where the story is. You know, we go all over the country, Mm -hmm. wherever the story is, to feature the people and the places doing really good things for the planet through gardening. That's cool. Well, let's step back a second, Joe. Um, When we had spoken, tell us a little bit about sort of the the concept of your show and how you wanted it to be different because it encompasses a lot of different things. How did you want to sort of, you know, make it unique and and have a very, I know you had a very specific vision of how you wanted the show to be. 
I did. So I, I hosted two other national shows for three years each before I took a year off to create Growing a Greener World. And the first three years was teaching people how to grow food on DIY Network on a show called Fresh from the Garden. I loved that show. I think it was a great show. I think that's really where I valuable. first saw you. Yeah. What's that? I think that's where I first saw you. Okay, good. Well, I, I, you know, I love that format, but that show ended just because we'd grown everything you could possibly grow, and they didn't want us to repeat anything, so we were forced to retire. But then I did a show for PBS called Garden Smart, and it just toured public gardens around the country and walked around with the gardener, and it was basically a, a, a tour of pretty gardens. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was okay. I liked that. I mean, I love being in a garden, but I felt like the format week after week after week was the same. And I was like, well, yeah. other than bringing pre- people pretty gardens, you know, what real value are we bringing to our audience? Mm-hmm. And I just felt this real tug that there was more to this opportunity than we were taking advantage of. So I pulled away. I took a year off. And what I wanted to do was inspire people that maybe hadn't gotten their hands dirty yet. You know, maybe right. they were possibly interested in gardening, but they weren't sure, or maybe they were into just the idea of eating local or supporting local businesses or sustainability or eco-friendly living. You know, there's all these other avenues to gardening, but, you know, we're all connected here. So what I wanted to do was connect the dots and, and bridge the gap and combine all of those things into a show that always incorporated something to do with organic gardening. But beyond that, come in through the back door with people, catch them on their turf, catch them with something that they were interested in watching. Maybe they're channel surfing and they like our chef on the show, but then they're like hanging out with the show and they see, well, wow, there was this thing about gardening and stuff. So it was a, it was a different approach, but fortunately it worked out really well. I mean, we have our, um, in three years, our, we're 96% of the top 40 markets in the country and we're in almost every state in America. So it's been really a good, fun ride and a rocket ship of a ride. But I think a lot of that is because of the message and the, and the way that we've reached out to people in a different way. So and you Jan- have some great sponsors, too. Yeah. I mean, oh, my Subaru gosh. And Fiskers, and you have some... And Burpee Home Gardens. These yeah. guys have been supportive from the start. They've been with me. For, I didn't realize how hard it is to actually raise this kind of money to produce a show like this. Yeah. I, I've since <laughs> found out. Thank God yeah. they, they have seen the value, and they support us every year. And I assume they're getting their money's worth because they keep coming back. But... Um, Thank goodness that they believed in me and they believed in the message that we wanted to take out there before we had anything to show them, which is amazing. And they said, we're on, we're in, you know, let's do it. Yeah. And this is big money, right? Yeah, yeah, so, big advertising um, money. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're the reason we can do what we do and why we can continue to do another year of it. All right, we have to take a break, but I have one more question before we take a break, Joe. So when you go to these advertising meetings, do you have to put your suit back on? <laughs> no. I'll tell you more about that. Right on. Okay, thanks. Yeah. You're listening uh-huh. to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Hair by Huntronic on the Heritage Radio Network.org.
following is a message from the Heritage Meat Shop. Are you tired of just hearing buzzwords? Do you want to actually take part in the food revolution? Then come on down to the Heritage Meat Shop, located in New York's historic Essex Street Market, on the corner of Essex and Delancey. We have rare breed pork, beef, poultry, lamb, and goat, not to mention charcuterie that'll make you squeal. All raised right, by the right people, so you know they'll taste right. Try the meat that over 100 New York chefs ache for. Come to the Heritage Meat Shop and pick up some revolution today. For more information, visit heritagemeatshop.com. Welcome back. That was a great ad. Um, I hadn't heard that yet. That's uh, our our Heritage Radio is is partly is owned by Heritage Foods, and that's Heritage Meat Shop. Uh, that's our friend Patrick and his shop. And uh, interesting. Anyway. Can't help but be cheered up by banjo. Exactly. (laughs) And squealing pigs. (laughs) Carmen's feeling better already. I think she is, yeah. Um, So we're back. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. As our guest, we have Joe Lample, producer and host of Growing a Greener World. And we were just talking about some of the advertising dollars that he gets and and how his show is is structured. Um, So tell us a little bit about some of the episodes, some of your favorite episodes. Oh, man. Uh, you know, we've talked about this, not you and I, but we've, we've kicked this around. I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I pick a favorite episode? Because the first year we went to all of my, my heroes, like Maria Rodale and, you know, the Edible Schoolyard and Will Allen and places like that. I was like, wow, this is amazing. So all of those are really good. I think if I had to pick one, uh, I'll pick two. One was in my uh, co-executive producer's backyard in, in L.A., Teresa Lowe, who is my right hand and my left hand. I mean, she's so important to the show. And on top of that, she's an urban homesteader, and she grows her own food on less than a tenth of an acre, two blocks from the LAX airport. It's crazy. Wow. wow. A pr- pretty amazing uh, young lady, and uh-huh. she does so much. And so we did an episode on urban homesteading from her yard and it's pro- it, without a doubt, it's the most viewed episode uh, of the three years that we've done. But it was so much fun to work with your own team and have them on the show as the as the guest host, and to give them a little bit of you know their moment in the sun and well deserved. But Nathan was there, and I mean, we just it was just a big party for a week, and we did three shows while we were there. But that show has special memories to me. And then the other one was a show we filmed in uh, North Carolina two years ago, where I used to live. And um, we built a chicken coop, you know, when backyard chickens, every that was the rage and uh-huh. still is, but I mean, right. it was new. Uh, we did a show on it, and Teresa flew out from L.A., and then Todd, uh, Todd Brock, my consulting producer, came in, and he wrote a book called uh, Building Chicken Coops for Dummies. Coincidentally, totally coincidentally, but he's a great writer. So he came on, and he did the DIY segment about building a, a chicken coop on the cheap, and we did that there, and it was just another fun show. And, uh, you know, maybe not all that special as far as a, a sexy place, but certainly just the content and the people that we did it with, I'll never forget it. Right. Well, one yeah. of my favorite shows, Joe, was um, the episode that you did um, on, the, on the Missouri Botanic Gardens um, oh. hot recycling program. Careful what yes. you wish for. I mean, I mean, coming from an industry perspective, uh, why yeah. don't you tell your listeners a little bit about that? Well, you know, we all want to do better, and we think we are when we when we take these plastic pots and we, you know, chuck them into the recycle bin. But 
much to most people's surprise, including myself, was that not all of those plastic pots goes to the recycling. It actually gets recycled. A lot of them get thrown away, or if they don't have the manpower to physically sort these things properly, or they might be cross-contaminated, they just get dumped, and they end up in the landfill in spite of our best efforts. Right. And um, it's an ex- what I learned and what this show, I think, communicates when we went to Mobot was the fact that it's very labor-intensive, and it's very expensive to do this, they rely heavily on volunteers, and there's special equipment that you need to sort this stuff, and then you grind the plastic, mm-hmm. and it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And you know, I always ask myself, well, why why can't more people just recycle? Why can't you know a garden center or Home Depot or somebody set up a big a dumpster, you know, out by the yeah. garden center where we can yeah. bring our plastic pots? Mm-hmm. Well, the fact of the matter is, unless they have a place to take it to physically sort it and go through all of that process. It doesn't get done, so it's not cost-effective for them, right? And it just becomes it becomes waste that they don't know how to process. So yeah, that's and why. Alice and I experienced that too um, as garden designers and garden makers. We have mountains of pots, and you'd think mm-hmm. the nursery would want them back. No, they yeah. they, they see us and they they see us and they run like they're like, oh God, here Even comes those crazy ones, girls which with are the pots. Expensive, you know, yeah. the big twenty-gallon or fifteen-gallon pots that cost, you know, quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. to, to buy if you want to buy them yeah. new, and, and I'm sure the growers, you know, are paying, you know, a substantial amount for them. They don't want them back, and we feel horrible. But you know, we all, I, as I as I experienced, you know, watching the show, there's no consistency in the industry. Everybody uses That's different right. sizes, different right. materials, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it's crazy. Yeah, make the pots consistent and put make the stinking number on the bottom bigger, so yeah. us people <laughs> so that are older can read the yeah, number. Exactly. Come on. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but there is a trend in the industry to move away from plastic to, to more biodegradable things. Yeah, those... uh, We're a long way from standardizing that, and there's some deficiencies there still. You know, it's a far from perfect yet, but, you know, they're trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how hard they are, but, you know, there's effort in that direction. That's a good thing. So the other thing that, that, that we've noticed about your shows is, uh, of course, it's about gardening and, and sustainability and sometimes cooking, but what really is, is really interesting and about and you kind of touched on this earlier is that you have these themes of family and community in your shows yeah and and it's often repeated like you have episodes on the veteran farmers the detroit urban renewal and farm school tell us more about your choice to include these themes and isn't that a bit risky as a producer it is uh you know we kind of shattered the mold i would say on traditional gardening shows but Mm -hmm. You know, but I, and I still call us a gardening show, but I just feel like we're so much more than that. And I almost cringe when somebody puts us into that box of just being another gardening show because we're so not that. Because you're not a how-to show. I mean, that that's incorporated, but yeah, it's more it's than that. Yeah, incorporated. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's a story. You know, what it is, it, to me, the first thing about it is we sit down and we say, is it, can this be a good story? Is this a growing a greener world style story? Is there a message here? Is there a story to carry the message? Will this be interesting, or how do we make it so? And um, it always it often incorporates people or families or a, kind of an emotional theme, like the veteran farmers was a good example of that. You know, this was kind of a hard one to do because um, this is this is as much about soldiers coming back from the war as it is about how farming helps them as the perfect transitional occupation right. to give them a cushion. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that one of the veterans told me that blew me away 
when we were there in Jacksonville at the Veterans Farm is the name of the place where they grow blueberries in containers. And mm-hmm. the cool thing about that is because many of them have physical limitations that they can't even bend over, the fact that these blueberries are in containers allows them to harvest and plant and grow without bending over. So that's cool right there. Mm-hmm. But one of, the, one of the soldiers that was working there, I mean, it was such an emotional two days. I mean, everybody on my crew that was there at some point or another either cried or had serious goosebumps or both. Um, but one of the guys said, you know, you would think that going to war is the hard part, but the truth of the matter is it's coming back. Oh, jeez. Can you believe yeah, that? Yeah, Joe, when I was watching that episode, I, um, I forget the name of the, of, the, um, of the person who had started the, um, the yeah. veteran's farm. Um, the veteran farmers, but he was a pretty—he looked like a pretty hard-boiled character. And there were a couple of moments um, when he was being interviewed that I could swear that he was almost in tears. You know? Yeah, yeah. Was, he was. was we emotional. were. Yeah. yeah. Joe, have you heard about the Rodale Institute? Um, and they—they they have this veterans—it's um, like a work internship, and they're training veterans in farming, um, and and then helping them acquire land. No, I love this. Now, we did a show at the Rodale Institute in my first year, because that's what Maria and Maya and the yeah. whole Rodale family are my uh-huh. heroes. But uh-huh. no, that's new since, uh, since um, we filmed there, and that's something that we should definitely look into, yeah. because that sounds like right down our strike zone. We had um, Mark uh, Smallwood, the coach, <laughs> uh-huh. from, yeah, uh, yeah. From, from Rodale on, and, and that was what we were talking about. Um, and so you definitely get in touch with him. It's a great pilot program. Excellent. Yeah, it sounds similar, uh, a little bit to what they're doing um, at the veteran veteran farmers uh, in Florida, but they're doing it there in um, in Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, you also have a brand new project for the upcoming season, and oh, you yeah. will give this will be kind of at your home base, right? So you're going to do yeah. a homestead thing. Well, so so yeah, in season four. We are going to add a new element to the show. We're going to, you know, the show's gone, gone so well with the existing format of traveling the country to find these great stories. And so we're not going to do away with that at all. I mean, mm-hmm. that's always going to be part of it. Mm-hmm. But what's, what's new is the fact that I moved back to Atlanta uh, this summer, and we bought a five-acre farm just north of Atlanta. So we are going to bring the viewers to my place for a bunch of the show, cool. or a little bit of every show, and uh, bring you along for this journey that I've got ahead of me to transform this beast of a property into a, a working uh, food garden and hobby farm, and, you know, with the chickens and the goats, and, I mean, we have all of that now, but this was a property that, had, let's just say, was neglected for a number of years. Mm-hmm. But Could zoo, I think anyone? it's a perfect... <laughs> Say again? Kudzu. Kudzu. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's that, no kudzu out here, but there's lots what? of honeysuckle and greenbrier, and, oh, I've become, I, I hate these vines. I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> I was teasing Joe about, um, about it when I was speaking with him earlier. I said, Joe, are you going to, is this going to be like Martha Stewart? Yeah, in the Turkey Hill Farm. and <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot more accessible. It's going to be way more interesting, I'm sure. Yeah, this is going to be much more relatable, let's put it that yeah, way. I think yeah. people are definitely going to be able to identify with my plight here. Yeah. There's never going to be, you know, the, 
the fancy smancy going on here. This is just a you know humble place that's going to be fun to work on. But I, I just think the viewers will enjoy that because we'll have lots of opportunities here in so many different settings to do things that we know our viewers want to see. I mean, right. talking about the how-to element of every show, we always like to incorporate some of that. So why not do it right here at my place? Because I'm going to do it anyway. Let's bring the cameras over and, and watch me yeah. do it in a, an instructional way because that's kind of my background with TV and gardening anyway. So uh-huh. let's do it. Uh huh. So we have to ask you about the spelling of your name. When I was ah. when I was doing the email blast today and and posting about the show, I think I checked your website like eight times just to make sure I was spelling it the right way. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of you one of you got the apostrophe. It was funny because you're not the only ones, but the apostrophe was put after the first L, and the proper way is L A M P apostrophe L. Yes. Apostrophe comes after the P. It's confusing, and we're the only ones like this. So if you ever see somebody with that spelling, they're related to me some in some shape or form. Well, what's the, the name background? Yeah, yeah. Austrian. It, it, Austrian. And I didn't know this until a couple of years ago. Thank God for the Internet. But some long-lost cousin I didn't even know I had did all the research and, and filled me in on the whole nine yards. But it comes from Austria. Uh, and get this, the apostrophe is actually what was a clerical error. It was a scratch-out on a form, like an immigration form, from a couple decades ago in Austria. And apparently the supervisor wouldn't allow a correction or there wasn't any whiteout or whatever. It must have been... I don't know all the details, but whatever that little blip was on the name became an apostrophe, and it stuck. Well, it must have been done and, in pen. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, you know, there was a time where I was, I had to decide whether I was going to stick the stay with that apostrophe or get rid of it forever because, you know, computers don't like apostrophes anyway. Right, right. When I was doing the DIY show, they, they called me and said, look, you know, your name's going to be up all the time and we've got to decide. We've seen it both ways. What? How are you going to spell this, with or without the apostrophe? Uh-huh. So that was my point, in, you know, where I had to decide. Well, and, I'm glad uh, you went for it. I mean, I... Yeah, me too. It, you have yeah. to. It's, you know... It's great. Even though I until you get it, but then it sticks. I I find it makes it very distinctive. I was trying to guess, Joe. I was my guess was you were Quebecois. (laughs) (laughs) I think Carmen's having a fever. (laughs) I was like, this is a French. This is a bastardization of a French name. Yeah, it was up in Newfoundland, then they came down to New Orleans. I was convinced that you were from New Orleans. <laughs> I wanted, to, I wanted, I wanted. I was like, there was some, you know, foggy family history, and then, you know, Native American mixed in, and like. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's go, let's go with that. I kind of like that. Yeah. You know, it must be the meds that I'm on. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. blame it on that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks, Joe, for joining us today and for shedding a little bit of light on your path and your journey and and how you got started. It's a fantastic story. Thank you. You are so welcome. Give us your website again for the show, Joe. Yeah, what's the website again? Growingagreenerworld.com. Okay. So if you can remember the name of the show, add the .com after that and you got it. Growingagreenerworld.com. Okay. We're going to, we've been posting all week on Facebook. Um, Of course, we'll post one more time. And uh, you can check out the show on Heritage Radio Network, our show right now that we just did, Heritage Radio Network, on the website archive or for free on um, iTunes podcast. Thank you, Joe, for joining us. Our show is produced by Jack Inslee. Uh, Thanks, Carmen. Any last words, Carm? I'll see you next week in the flesh. Okay, good. (laughs) We're engineered by Joe G. And uh, thanks for joining us. Have a good gardening day. Thanks, guys. See you in the garden. Bye, Bye. Joe.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.